let's uh, take a moment and pray and ask for God's blessing as we share the Word of God today. Father, I humble myself before you, and I thank you for your presence here. And Lord, I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people what they need to hear from heaven today to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to uh, thank uh, the men that got together today. Great dialogue uh, for uh, the, the men's lead team and planning. Thank you. And then also Stacy for leading with the life groups. And then also for the many in the church that participated in prayer and fasting. We had the most participate the Monday night, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, then all of the times we've ever done prayer and fasting. I think we need to thank God for that. Can we thank God for that? Um, and we have a church fellowship lunch today. So I hope you came hungry, and uh, we'll fellowship and connect uh, at the end of the service here in a bit. So, uh, so I'm so thankful for that, and thankful for Meadow, uh, Meadow, she's just graced with all of this church potluck and Kim setting up. We so appreciate them. Let's give them a hand. Thank you. God bless you as they take care of that. Amen. I want to continue about in this, excuse me, in this mini series about worrying about everything, praying about nothing. And our text is Philippians chapter 4. Uh, verses 6 and 7, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, and I actually have more here I'll read, but I just highlighted a few of the points. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Let that sink in. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, John 15, 13, Jesus said, There is no greater love than this, that a person would lay down his life for the sake of his friends. You know, Jesus did this for the world, did he not? He laid down his life, even for enemies, the enemies of the cross. And I like to say that prayer is a manifestation of that God kind of love. Laying your life down. Psalm 65, 2-4 says, Because you answer prayers, people everywhere will come to you. And you know, my prayer and heart is for Church for the Harvest, that not only are we are people that understand fasting, but we understand prayer. And I want to talk to you today briefly, and just try to answer a question, or at least pose the question to you, why should we pray? Does it even matter if you pray or not? Um, does prayer make a difference, and, and all of that. And so one text I have, 1 Timothy 2. I'm going to just jump right in it. 1 Timothy 2, therefore I exert that all, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession. I have them highlighted because they are different types of prayer. I mean, I know there's been more than just one type of prayer. The Bible talks about various types of prayer for various needs or praying on behalf of someone. So intercession is to intercede to go on behalf. It's actually a legal term of someone else. How many ever prayed for somebody else? So you're interceding on behalf. And so in giving of thanks to be made for all men, for all men. So back to the question, why do we really need to pray? 
why do we really need to pray? You know, I have a, a kind of a, a funny story that I've, uh, I've read before. Some of you have heard it, but it's a comical example. And the central figure of this story is a person who accepts everything that happens as a manifestation of divine power. He says, not for him, he said, the question, the workings of divine providence. All his life, misfortune had been his. He ne never once did he complain. He got married, and his wife ran away with a hired man. He had a daughter, and the daughter was deceived by a villain. He had a son, and the son was lynched. A fire burnt down his barn. A cyclone blew away his home. A hailstorm destroyed his crops, and the banker foreclosed on his mortgage, taking his farm. Yet at each fresh stroke of misfortune, he knelt and gave thanks to God Almighty for his wonderful mercy. After a time, penniless but still submissive to the decrees from on high, he landed in the county poorhouse. One day, the overseer sent him out to plow a potato field. A thunderstorm came up but was passing over when without warning, a bolt of lightning descended from the sky. It mounted the plowshare, stripped most of his clothes off of him, singed off his beard, branded his naked back with the initials of a neighboring cattleman, hurled him through a barbed wire fence. When he recovered consciousness, he got slowly to his knees. He clasped his hands. He raised his eyes toward heaven. And for the first time, he asserted himself, Lord, he said, this is getting plumb ridiculous. And I think about that when it comes time to the topic of the sovereignty of God and how people approach prayer. And uh, I so too would say it's a mindset that I believe that people accept everything that happens to you in life somehow that that is God orchestrated. Every misfortune, everything that has happened, he is controlling and wielding everything and you know what? That has corrupted and destroyed many of people's souls uh, when bad things happen. And I think this thinking, this mindset towards God's sovereignty, especially towards prayer, especially towards prayer, is what I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to consider today. It is a mindset. Somebody shout a mindset. And so I want to interject a different mindset. I just want to throw out something different here today for you to ponder and pray about. It's a mindset that believes that whatever negative thing that happens to them in life and their families is somehow this manifestation of a divine will. So there's really no need to pray about it because why God willed it. And so, so kind of like the 1956 song by Doris Day, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. That's, that's kind of the mindset. And so God is sovereign and, and he's in heaven and you're not and so everything that happens to you, somehow he is mysteriously working out and orchestrating it all. Well, let me just throw a different mindset out there to you today. I believe this kind of distorted thinking impedes millions of Christians for not praying. And I'll talk about that in a moment. They won't intercede or they won't persevere. But I want you to know that the rest of the world, they do pray. Hindus pray. Muslims pray. Buddhists pray very fervently. They pray. In Matthew 16, 6, Jesus said something very interesting. Jesus said to them, be careful, be guarding yourselves, watch out for the yeast, somebody shout yeast, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What is yeast? Yeast was their wrong teaching. Their wrong 
instruction, the evil influence of their teaching. Actually, verse 12 talks about it. It was actually their doctrine, Jesus said. You know, as of 2023, there are still over 10,000 cults that exist today in the United States. 10,000. What? Wrong teaching. Wrong instruction to confuse people. How many of you know that Satan is out there to confuse the simplicity of the Word of God? Confuse, to make people this, I don't, I don't know. And now, in the palm of our hands, we have the world. Now, right? Through a cell phone. You have apps that you can Google, you can speak. You don't even have to, you don't even have to type. You can just speak and get information anywhere. Shrunk down. You can search something that happened somewhere in West Africa today. You can just Google, you know, earth and look at a little place that's remote. The world has shrunk, and it's in the palm of your hand. How many with me say amen? amen? And so yeast, this wrong teaching, Satan is constantly throwing misguided confusion out there to get people confused. And so I believe this erroneous thinking and believing about <clears throat> the sovereignty of God in prayer is going to influence whether you pray or not. Whether you seek him with all your heart or not in your family. How so? Because if you believe, now watch this, if God is allowing something and he is in truth uh, not, how many know that that's a problem? That's a problem. If he is not orchestrating it, but you believe he is, you're in a conundrum, right? You're in a difficult situation. Flawed thinking about prayer can mean the difference between praying are not praying because what's the use? If God has already orchestrated and, and all everything that happens to you is his will for your life, why pray about it? Am I speaking to anybody this morning? Yeah. Have you ever thought about these thoughts? I have. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, whether someone receives Christ or not, well, you know what? You know, they're, they're, they're just a real evil person, you know, so they're damned. <clears throat> you know, I was uh, spent time in the Marine Corps and I was stationed overseas in Okinawa back in 1986. And so I plugged in with the local chaplain, excuse me, chaplain there. And um, he was a, a captain, but he was a five-point Calvinist. I mean, he was kind of tiptoe through the tulip. Tulip is kind of an acronym for Calvinism. And, and uh, I would begin to talk with him. And, you know, I was very respectful for him and towards him. I was a corporal at that time, and he was an officer. But... He just saw something in my life, and he said, someday when you get famous, don't forget me. I'm like, well, I, uh, I've never forgotten him, so I'm speaking about today. I'm like, I don't think I'm famous, but uh, my point was is that he believed, as he shares to a congregation, there are people in that congregation that are damned to hell, and there's nothing you can do about it. Now, just think about that teaching being over your life. How you going to really go, well, I'm just damned to hell, you know. If, I, if that was me, I'd just live life to the fullest here. Come on, somebody. Because why? I'm damned to hell. There's nothing I can do. And he said, but then there's those that God sovereignly chose, and the rest of you, it's too bad. <laughs> I said, I can't believe that. I believe God's desire is that all men might be saved. I said, I mean, God's desire is that, he, that no matter how wicked they are, that God can touch that person, change their life. They're never far. Now, if they reject that, that's their choice. But everyone, God desires that all men might come in women. How many with me? Young people. And so, but, and so he was like, well, why don't you speak on Easter Sunday? So I spoke in the chaplain there, and we had officers, and there was some, uh, just some, uh, a lot of uh, high-ranking staff, uh, you know, enlisted. And, 
And I didn't know what I was saying, but I just preached on how God wants to reach all people. <laughs> and he was smiling back there, so he was good about it. But, but you know, this thinking that it's a flawed thinking that, that uh, you know, the sovereignty of God, that God, uh, uh, he orchestrates everything, every, even the bad things that happen in your life, it's all God behind it. I don't believe it. I believe that that thinking can, can either, you know, cause you to receive a breakthrough or not receive a breakthrough based upon your mindset. All right, it could be landing that job or uh, finding that spouse or, you know, whatever. Well, this is all who it is. And so maybe I should just settle for this person. And, and maybe that's God's will. And he doesn't love the Lord. He doesn't go to church. He doesn't worship or she doesn't. Come on, somebody. You know, and then it's like, well, maybe I'll missionary date him. Good luck on that one. Okay. I mean, listen, marriage is hard enough in the right situation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just look forward on that one. That's right. Come on, I'm just being honest, right? And, and, and bringing Christ in the right situation, we can overcome. Amen? I better move right on. <laughs> okay. Gordon Lindsay was the founder and president of Christ for the Nations Institute. My wife and I attended uh, theology training in Dallas. He said this about Christ in prayer. He said, Jesus was interested only in prayer. That brought the answer. And if need be, move mountains. He didn't have to tell people to pray. That instinct was born in their hearts. The most ignorant heathen prayed. The prophets of Baal prayed. The hypocritical Pharisees prayed. Jesus was interested in showing believers the right way to pray so they could have miracles in answer to their prayers. Somebody say amen. Matthew 7, 7, 8, Jesus said this. Watch this. He said, ask and it will be given unto you. Seek and you will find Knock, it will be open for you. For everyone who asks, let me shout asks, yes. receives. And he who seeks, seeks, finds. Him who knocks, will be open. How many of you know those are action? That, that isn't just a one-time thing. Somewhere in this verse, we can see this mindset of perseverance. Once you get that. So perseverance. Why? Because is God reluctant? Is God maybe on vacation when you're praying? So you just got to keep persevering? Is he got his ears stopped? No. Maybe perhaps there's a real devil. Amen? That resists. That resists the kingdom of God moving forward. That, resist, that resisted Jesus when he walked on the earth. Come on, somebody. So ask, seeks, knocks, they're all persistent. It's persistent and pressing in. And it means a lot. But I would say, number one, there is once again a perseverance when it comes to prayer. Luke 18, 1, Jesus said, at all times, we was ought to pray and not give up. One translation says, or lose heart. <clears throat> and it's talking about the parable of the unjust judge and the widow. Some of you remember that. There's this thing about per persistence, and God is not the unjust judge. I believe it's the enemy in there. But this widow, she persists, she pressed in. In demand. See, here's the thing. The victory was wrought on the cross 2,000 years ago. Can you say amen? amen? How many know the work's not done? Right? So our job, your job, is to be an enforcer of that victory. You didn't just sit back like, I received Jesus, and kind of go on and like, well, you know. No, we are to enforce that victory that was accomplished. Enforcing it by, you know, not fighting against flesh and blood. But it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. How many still with me? Say amen. And so 
And then also it means there's an invisible power within us able to work out every problem, anticipate every need, and supply whatever may be required. A power so great it can move the spiritual mountain before us if need be. Can you say amen? Here's the thing. God has answered prayer for every conceivable need of his people and under every imaginable circumstance. And in the Old Testament, see, whether it's deliverance from sickness, when King Hezekiah prayed out, God brought healing. A miracle supply to Abraham's son, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, he became to preserve from danger when Peter and Silas were in prison. Whether it was divine guidance to know what to do with Gideon, God answered, or simply saving one from dying from thirst, as he did from Samson, the jawbone, or for needed wisdom in ruling a kingdom with young Solomon. No matter what the need was, God supplied it in answer to believing prayer. So, once again, does it really matter if you pray or not? Does it really matter? I mean, once again, if God is sovereign, meaning supreme in power and authority, and have an independent authority, isn't it all going to work out in the end, ultimately? I mean, don't worry, God's in control, isn't he, of everything? Now, I know this is kind of maybe present in some of the mindset, because we like to think when, you know, things happen in our life that God is orchestrating everything, everything. And uh, a lot of times I believe God is wanting us to take authority over the enemy. Right. I think God is wanting us to speak in those situations yeah. and to declare his, his will in those situations. So, <clears throat> once again, sadly, I've said this during the prayer and fasting, and I said, you know what, not to be of harvest, because uh, I tell you, this was a great turnout uh, this year for those that came, prayed and fasted, and we received communion. But sometimes the smallest gathering in churches is the prayer meeting. Mm -hmm. Why is that? I believe it's an indicator that many Christians, either number one, don't understand prayer, or number two, don't really believe prayer even does anything. Let that sink in. You know, as a young boy, my parents at times would tell me to do certain things, and then what does a kid usually say? Why? You know, why? Which in turn, they would say, because I said so. <laughs> right? Because I said so. I remember my dad said, pick up these nails. Why do we have these nails in the driveway? Why? What's the big deal? At times he would say, because I said so. But we know why now, if you have a car. <clears throat> Maybe God is saying the same thing to us today. Hey, Christians, I want you to pray. But why, Lord? Because I said so. Because I said so. Well, he's God. And so we need to just do it, right? Because he said so. But how many know most of us don't want to just do something just because someone else said so? Did you think about that? We want at least to know why should we do it? Is there an actual intelligent reason why we should do this? exercise. Now, I know that God requires things of us at times without the full knowledge of why, but how many know that they are usually occasional obedience and trust issues, not the way he expects, excuse me, expects us to, to live life on a regular basis, right? How many know we're not programmed robots who never ask why, but I want to know why. Why should I pray? Why should you pray? Does it make a difference? And we know that God has given us a Bible full of answers to the whys of life. But the one I'm interested in today is, the, why should we pray? And I'm not speaking of why in the sense of needing maybe this or that. 
Obviously, we ask because we want something or we need something. But I'm speaking of why in the context of God's sovereignty. Why? So once again, a few thought-provoking questions of the mindset that I'm getting into here. Do my prayers or your prayers really matter all that much? I mean, isn't God going to do what he wants anyway? Now, most people, even if only subconsciously, they believe just that. So how do you know that? Well, the proof is in their prayer life or the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. That's right? right? Come on. Come on. Amen. Yeah. Can't, let me say this. Can, my prayer, can your prayers actually change things? Mm-hmm. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Now, if you get anything about what I say today, write this down, what I'm about to show you. Because I think this is sums everything up, what I'm trying to say. Does God need me to pray, or does he just want me to pray? Mm-hmm. Here's a mindset change. See, if God just wants you to pray, you're not going to do it. You may do it for a little while. He's like, well, they're praying. They're praying. Well, I guess I should pray. But if God needs you to pray, mm-hmm. that's a different mindset. Right. Why, would, why would God need me? I mean, some would argue an omnipotent God doesn't need anything, including our prayers. He's omnipotent. He don't need anything. Sovereign. Let me just throw out another thought-provoking question about prayer. Let me get this to advance here. Can God's will on earth be frustrated or not accomplished, uh uh-oh, if I don't pray? I want you to just ponder that. The will of God happening. God, why didn't you do anything? Why don't we see you do anything? Are you praying for him to move? Come on, somebody. Think about it. I believe these questions deserve answers. I've discovered understanding the why of doing something can be a great motivating force. Great motivating force. It helps me to know the why of doing something. And I need to know why. Why? Someone once said the error is human. To repeat it is stupid, right? So when God says pray, I want to know that it matters. I want to know that it matters that we call a corporate prayer time on Saturday. We've been doing it probably since 2014 or 2015. Every Saturday, 9 o'clock here. And we have a group of intercessors and, you know, they come and, and they pray and, and various people come. But when I walk, it's like, okay, that's Saturday for that one hour time. Am I wasting my time? We was wasting our time? Just throwing up prayers because it's a duty because God said do it? Well, I don't want to do that. I wouldn't continue in doing that. What a waste of time. I've been doing something else for that hour, right? But if God needs me to pray, if he needs you to pray, that's a different story. God needs me to pray? What's happening? We'll get that to, into that more deeper in the weeks to come, practical, uh, how that unfolds. But there was a, uh, an author, S.D. Gordon, and a minister and the question was asked, was he right or wrong when he said this? You can, do, you can do more than pray after you have prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. Prayer is striking the winning blow. Service is gathering up the results. Hmm. You know, I'm not into religious exercises. We've all had our share of that. Your time is valuable. My time is valuable. I don't want to have just another waste of time religious duty. But if prayer 
matters, which I believe it does, then God needs me to pray. He needs you to pray to change the situation that you're in that needs changing. So, once again, if God's going to do something in and through our lives, regardless of whether or not we pray, that he doesn't need us to ask. We don't need another waste of time religious duty. Amen? If it's all, once again, whatever will be, then let's just take a chill pill. Let it all happen. And sadly, a lot of religious organizations are that way. There's no concerted effort to pray. There's nothing laid out there corporately to rally people, especially when it comes to fasting, to call people to, to fast and to seek the Lord. It's, there's just, just, sadly, there's just none of that. I feel it's my duty. I feel it's my responsibility as a pastor to lead the congregation and all that, the, the benefits that the Lord has for his people Amen. and to call that. And whether people respond or not, at least I, I call, I did the rally call. If that's the case, we need to just take a chill pill, let it all happen. I mean, why go to foreign countries? Why spend, you know, over a million dollars in missions and, and go to these foreign lands and, 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 uh, or help maybe send relief to hurricane victims or, or help rebuild projects and continue to support pastors overseas and, and equip the, uh, the young people in our church, or the teenagers, and, and expand in the children's ministry. And, and you know, why, why do all that? Why reach people in the 1040 window? Because if God is sovereign, he's going to reach those he wants, and the rest are just damned. And there's really no need for me to persevere in that. And some would say, well, Mike, you're a little too extreme right now. But you'd be amazed at how many Christians think and live this way. That's how they approach their faith. And once again, I believe it's a tactic of the enemy to lull Christians to sleep. To, come on, somebody. To paralyze and immobilize believers into action. Because if you have a mandate on your soul that God needs you, he needs you. I'm not talking works here, religious. I'm talking about that there's a mandate that, that your prayers matter. That your voice pray, seeking the Lord, calling those things that be not as though they were, that that matters. Amen. That's a mandate. That'll change your whole life when it comes to prayer. John Wesley, many of you know, was amazing, uh, uh, a preacher. And he said this, <clears throat> If on, if on the other hand, John Wesley was correct when he said, God does nothing on earth save an answer to believing prayer. Well, then, you know, I'll lose a little sleep for that. Right? I'll adjust my lifestyle for that. I'll turn the TV off for that. I'll miss a meal or two or a day or two for that. I'll leave the comfort of my family for a time and the safety of home. And, and I'll travel to a foreign land, sometimes hostile land, for that. Can I get an amen? Prayer does matter. Stand with me if you would, please. Is prayer really necessary? You better believe it is. Your prayers matter. There's something I'm going to get into, Lord willing, in the weeks to come about the substance of prayer. Somebody say substance. Your prayers are not just like a vapor that on a tea kettle that go up and disappear and it's like it just went to nothing. Your prayers have substance substance. Our prayers can bring change and renewal to families. Our prayers can affect this city. Our prayers can bring uh, healing in people's spirits, souls, and bodies. 
our prayers can influence and help change the nation or a nation's as our prayers have been affecting the nation of Sri Lanka. I believe strongholds can come down because we pray. Because we pray. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is, is there anything too hard for me? Luke 18, 27, Jesus said, What is impossible with men is possible with God. Every head bowed, please, this morning. E.M. Bounds, a prayer warrior, writer, and he said, he said, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil. Well, we need that today. He says, the prayers of God's people are the capital stock of heaven by which God carries on his great work upon earth. God conditions the very life and prosperity of his cause on prayer. Wow. What are you trying to say, Pastor Mike? Your prayers have substance. Every head bowed here this morning. You're here this morning and said, Pastor Mike, I'm actually not right with God. I don't know the Lord. I don't have the assurance of salvation. God forbid if you were to die tonight, you don't know if you'd spend eternity with the Lord. Our prayer is that you would make Jesus Christ Lord of your life in this moment. So how do I do that? It's a simple prayer, but a very costly prayer. I'd like to lead you in that prayer as we pray corporately. And what you're doing is you're giving your life. You're surrendering your life to the Lord and you're asking Him to be Lord of your life. That's what it means to be saved, to be born again. You're giving the reins, the authority in your life. You're taking yourself off as the king in your life. And you're putting Christ in that seat. If that's you and you say, yes, I want that. Pray with me. Say, say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen.